welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of energy. Hey, everyone. Look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Canon with Mark. And Mark, how do you properly pronounce your last name? Because I don't want to mess it up. It is LaRue. LaRue. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Okay, it Mark. Means, it means the happy. The ha- Mark the happy <laughs> Mark LaRue. The happy. No yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to start the, the happy hours. <laughs> that's so fitting man i love that so mark the happy larue founder of social octane man i appreciate you making time to come on the show today i know you are like going a thousand miles an hour Mm -hmm. i mean one weekend you're in vegas one weekend you're in new orleans one weekend you're in denver (laughs) one weekend you're probably in midland you're all over the place man. yeah yeah it's been a quite a year coming to texas and relocating so yeah so i think that's interesting I'm, i'm sure a lot of listeners probably know who you are and if they don't we'll get to know a little bit more about you but yeah so you moved down to the woodlands right yeah from denver how long ago was that that was start of this year we went to we were in denver for the last five years you know madison's from there so we yeah just through covid and and all the chaotic stuff going on we just found our way i was always looking at texas because i started in oklahoma city in the states and then we did a lot of work in the barnett shale so i got to really experience texas and fell in love with it a long time ago nice but yeah just through covid and and kind of our business model it was kind of tricky to do some events right so yeah we had to <laughs> come kinda, to texas yeah we just kind of you know focused on this the states that were supporting business and texas you know we went to midland for the energy rally we did and i think there was like 600 people came out and were ready just to you know live life so we're like right. man we got to make a, a serious decision here yes and it become yeah the best decision i think of of kind of our trajectory so no doubt well, you guys came down here and basically hit the ground running right? man full war yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah full steam ahead it was crazy <laughs> nice and so why why houston i mean was um, there a reason for that or? no i just think just you know being kind of the hub and getting kind of dialed into the scene here was yeah was a main kind of deciding factor we looked at austin san antonio dallas even Midland. I mean, yeah, we got there and had some opportunities to kind of maybe get put a little event center together there. But in the end, we yeah just landed here in, in Houston and in the woodlands. Yeah, the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, for selfish reasons, I'm glad you guys decided on Houston or the woodlands. I heard the woodlands is trying to create their own. Or no, I think Harris County or Houston was trying to assume Woodlands into their city or something like that. Oh, I don't know man. if you heard that. Someone told me that a while ago. and Because obviously the amount of money and tax money that comes out of yeah. Woodlands is probably pretty, pretty steep yeah, in a good way. But. It is the bubble though, man. Like we, <laughs> we didn't know what we were getting into, right? So yeah. we were looking downtown the Galleria and it seemed like every... Every place we looked at, we're like, "Hey, and we got the best security here." So, yeah, you know, don't worry. I'm, we're like worried about security. So, it just felt a lot safer, I guess. And, yeah. And we were downtown Denver for the last five years, so the 
the busy kind of that kind of scene just want a little bit more of a quieter pace so that's i don't blame there. you yeah yeah no when i lived in denver i lived downtown right behind view house yeah and it was like non-stop for non-stop. yeah it's like and so when i finally went from because my wife was living in houston at the time i was traveling back and forth most of my time was spent in denver but you know, th- Sunday through Sunday, it was like oh, every evening downtown. And of course, there's someone who wants to go have Amazing. just, you know, hey, you want to go for a quick drink? Yeah. Which never happens. It's no. never quick. And it's not just one. <laughs> it's usually a long, drawn out process. Uh, that's kind of how we got, you know, kind of sucked into what we were doing is I guess we were pretty good at having fun. Yeah. And, and getting people together. So next thing you know, you, you got people coming from Canada, yeah. Houston, every night of the week. So it was, yeah, yeah. It was exhausting. Well, I'm excited to hear the story behind it all. But, you know, it's funny because I don't know how we've never ran into each other. And then we finally did run into each other at Tim and Macy's baby shower, mm-hmm. which was maybe a few months ago. And, and a huge congratulations to the Taylors there yeah. with their little one. Yeah, we kind of hit it off. And, oh, you're from Canada. This is the next thing you know. And so, yeah. But again, like I've seen Social Octane like blasted throughout social media and just hearing different events. And we've got mutual friends. Mitch up in you know, Denver yeah. has mentioned your name. But again, I'm glad that, you know, we got to meet having you on the podcast. It looks like you're joining with OGGN on some things, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Super cool, man. So I'm excited to see where, where this all goes. But before we keep going on the podcast, I do want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. Their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the WellPad operations. Technip FMC continues to push the limits in order to achieve full-frack automation. To discover more about the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. We're also doing monthly happy hours here in Houston. Check out OGGN.com for more details on the events. And please also look at all the different podcasts that we've got pumping out. We've got everything from ESG, leadership, technology, you know, road to C-suite, all sorts of like literally a podcast for just about everybody. So with that said, check it out. And again, appreciate everyone's support. Mark, so I always like to ask if kind of just to break the ice a little bit. The first question is what does an ideal Friday night look like to you? Like if you were to go anywhere in the world and you had just say money, unlimited amounts, <laughs> what would you spend a Friday night doing and who would you do it with? Probably just hang with my kiddos, man. You yeah. Know, just do something really cool. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy, but it's just yeah, time well spent with them and, you know, get them out and have some fun. So good. we live pretty fast paced life. So Sometimes the the slow pace is is kind of what you're working for, to be honest. In the end. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, that's good. And what are your? I mean, what do they like to do? Uh, big big time sports. I mean, both both kids are pretty active in sports. Nice. Yeah, basketball for for Ashland and volleyball, and then Cohen's the hockey, football. He's you know. Holy he's, smokes. He's, yeah, piss and vinegar. And, and yeah. Gets after it. So, but yeah, no, both, you know, great kids and super, super active. So that's good. Especially nowadays, it's cool to hear. I mean, I grew up playing sports and, you know, I did, you know, video gaming and stuff. I think every kid growing up plays video games a little bit here and there, but it's cool to see and in here, you know, parents talk about kids who are active because. I think nowadays it's easy to get sucked into the technology Yo, world. Totally. Yeah. And and it, it's important, right? Like I think, you know, in order for our kids to learn about technology, how to use it, what it's for, I think is good. But to, to still get out there and, you know, skin your knees and get, you know, beat yeah. up a little bit and, you know. You got to get into it, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like always just get out and get in the dirt and yeah you know getting those germs yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah and then too it's you know for their just their their mental toughness you Mm -hmm. know getting beat down losing games coming back 
the discipline, the practice. Yeah. I think there's so many parallels. Sportsmanship into real life. and social skills to me, that's, you know, big, oh, big time right now. Huge. With, with all that's going on. Right. The next generation that can learn social skills, that's going to be the, the big advantage. Yeah, no doubt. I'm totally with you there. So how is Mark LaRue innovating this year? I mean, are you, you know, it could be with social octane or anything else, but, but how are you coming out of COVID? I say coming out of COVID, we're slowly coming out of COVID, but how are you innovating this year? And what does that look like? I mean, have you taken the opportunity over the last six months to be like, okay, you know what? Like we got to flip some things over on its head and really kind of, you know, go above and beyond the status quo. What, what does that look like? Just really high level. Yeah. Like say prior to COVID, I mean, we were, I feel like we were ahead of the curve. We've seen this digital big, you know, kind of movement happening. We really, really focused on on LinkedIn. That was a huge goal a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of seen that's where people are going to be doing, you know, business B2B there in the industry. So prior to COVID, we really focused on that. And then the events were always just a great way to kind of bring everybody together and kind of get the name out really quick. So we've seen a huge response on how we delivered event or con, you know, the concepts and just doing something different yeah. to the point where it's always, you know, the goal is to empower each other, right. And have a good time, but you know, do it at a level that the outside people are looking at and being like, what is going on there? You know, we do yeah. these tailgates in Denver and we welcome everybody. You know, if you're supporting our interests and in what we're doing, hmm. you know, come on in and have a good time. And you'd always get like, you guys do this all the time. We're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is this industry where real people, I always say, you know, we breathe the same air and, and drink the same water. You know, it's not like we don't care at all. I mean, we, it's, it's just amazing industry and the people that, that are in it. So for this, you know, going through COVID, it seemed like every week we were adapting. So the biggest thing that I kind of, we, we learned was that we are super flexible when we're, you know, backed into a corner or have to get creative. It just, that's the best thing for us. So mm-hmm. the more pressure or the more things that are going on, it really shaped social octane where it is right now because mm-hmm. we were oil connect originally. Okay. And through the oil connect days, you know, when COVID hit, we just went and got a, I'm like, we can't, I can't stay in Denver. Like this is, you know, bums are yelling at me at the street to put a mask on. And it was just, it was, <laughs> oh my goodness, it was just crazy. Right. So yeah. me personally, I was like, we need to just get, let's, let's go to every oil and gas town as we can. And let's have a barbecue and have, bring people together through this kind of moment. Right. Yeah. So we went and got a 39 foot, you know, toy hauler, put our events gear in the back and we traveled around, you know, to Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, what? Uh, North Dakota, Wyoming, and then down through Colorado. No kidding. And, uh, I didn't yeah, know I'd do we that. We built a pit and cooked a pig and people came out and yeah, we'd have a band out there. So it was, so stuff like that where we're like, Hey, let's, let's just do something different. And <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, we didn't know what we're doing, but it's, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was an amazing time that that, that happened and, yeah. you know, it just put us to where we're at today. So no, that's, that is so cool. And, and I think there's a special element there where, you have a knack for, like you said, like bringing people together and just sort of your approach and mission. It's a very selfless way of thinking about it. And it's not like, you know, because a lot of people host a party because they want the recognition. It's like, oh, Mark hosts the coolest parties. Like Mark's the man. Like I feel like ever since I met you, it's more about everyone else, bringing people together. It's it's about the cause. And we can speak more about the Orphan Well Project, which is amazing. But I think that's one thing that's very unique is that you have a very selfless sort of aura about what you're doing. And mm-hmm. and that's why I think really attracts a lot of people, including myself. It's like, he doesn't want to host a party. So he's the cool kid on the block. 
but he wants to do it so everyone can have a good time and, and, and bring everyone together and really just, you know, for the people. Yeah. I'm glad you yeah point out because it, you know, we're for profit. We, you know, this is a business and we obviously want to, you know, do good things and, and make some money at it. Of course. But in the end, yeah, it really is, it is mission first. And then just empowering this industry. I was kind of, you know, coming from the field, spending 15 years in the field and, and, you know, I originally didn't want to be in the oil field. I was more of a kind of artsy, you know, I don't know, pretty boy, I guess you would say at the yeah. time, but I could work, you know, I was a lot of integrity and it fit when I got in there so I could outgrind everybody. But yeah. I did see a gap in kind of how we portrayed ourselves and how the public looked early on yeah. at us. So as through my career, I, I really, the art really come out and I seen that it was missing like just how we connect with people outside this industry through, you know, what other industries do so yeah. on the West coast or, you know, kind of that California vibe, the cooler vibe, I guess. Yeah. So just, yeah, through that process, just really leaned into that and seeing that this is how we can empower each other. And I, you know, kind of just sick and tired of people just having a voice and then ramming, you know, making us feel ashamed of what we're doing. Cause I knew it was the greatest thing that I've ever come across the people, the innovation. Yeah. I know just, it's been wonderful to me. So yeah, that's kind of was, is always the mission is just empower each other yeah. and collaborate. So yeah, that is amazing. Let's go back a ways then. So where are you from originally? So Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan is where I'm originally from. Okay. So for those, yeah. I mean, I'm familiar, <laughs> but for those who aren't, you know, if you're looking on a map, say you got, you know, North Dakota and surrounding mm-hmm. area for a lot of people who don't even know where that is, probably. How would you describe it? Like, is it? So you just, yeah, say Williston straight north, you know, you okay. hit, hit Regina and then, then scoot over kind of going east or, or west a bit through Saskatoon. And then yeah, Lloyd, it's kind of right on the border, Saskatchewan, Alberta. And yeah, that's kind of a, the, the heart of the Bakken for Canada, right? Kind of, I guess, probably more, you're getting more up into the real heavy kind of tar sands, right? So that's, Bru- the, that's, that's the beginning. Right. Yeah. 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 Heavy yeah. oil. I mean, oil and gas town. Yeah, you know, pretty pretty rough. If you've been, you know, if anybody knows Lloyd Minster, it's, it's a, <laughs> a lot of fights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty pretty rough. Got tough quick for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rig hands going to the bar, oh, and yeah. scrapping it I out. Did, yeah, I got put in boxing at ten, so I was like, <laughs> by the time I was sixteen, I was going to war with everybody. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You kind of described it, but aside from sort of the, the rough and tough part of Lloyd growing up, what'd you do for fun growing up? You know, just all you know, just kind of basic oil filled town there wasn't a lot to do so boxing was a big one and i did that till i was about 16 and then my dad you know he was worked on the rigs his whole kind of career and family separated so you know it was just kind of focused with with my father and just kind of brought up that way so boxing was a good thing because mm. he was working all the time and they would take you in and, and take you on the weekends and, and kind of travel you around so you kind of had your own little family there and nice yeah Never, you know, six foot four, you know, two thirty. Never played hockey. I wish I would have gotten to that if I would have been a beast. But yeah, yeah, the only Canadian that's this size that never played hockey. <laughs> well, it's funny because <laughs> so I, I always often get made fun of, which is fine because I make fun of myself all the time. But yeah, I'm from Canada. I rarely drink beer because I like liquor, <laughs> yeah. and I never played hockey. The first time I played hockey was here in Houston. <laughs> oh, I know. So my mom and I say this story. Probably people have heard it, but. I wanted to play it. was like I played football and I snowboarded 
And then hockey, just the, with the scheduling, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. you either played football or you played hockey. And I had played football growing up, and I wanted to play hockey. So my mom was like, oh, yeah, like, well, just to make sure you can properly skate, we'll put you in power skating, yep. which actually was figure skating. <laughs> so but, my mom put but, me in figure skating. Well, hey, I mean, you got a physique for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I danced like the devil on the ice, man. But yeah, it was funny because I can't, went into it. And I was the only kid. Well, A, I was like one of the only boys. Yeah. And then I was the only one with hockey skates. So I was like, something doesn't, like, what doesn't match? And it's me. Yeah. And then my mom was like, oh, no, like, every hockey player does figure skating. <laughs> And so I was like, like to this Wrong. day, I have resentment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lie to me, mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks, mom. You really gave me a complex right from the get go. But then, yeah. So anyway, I didn't play hockey either. So I, I can identify with you there. But, but yeah, I, snowboarding. I got into snowboarding, you know, pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. My dad just, he went and took us and, nice. you know, he was, I was bagging him to, to go snowboarding and yeah. he didn't want to do it. So then he went and bought some cheap boards and we went out and he learned. Nice. And then next thing you know, he's obsessed with us. Now we're getting all the, the new gear. Oh, yeah. We're going on the mountains. Yeah. And so that was a good, yeah, a good part. And growing up was, yeah, the snowboard and a skateboard for a bit. And yeah, yeah, it was not much to do with Lloyd, but well, it sounds yeah. like you made the best of it. It was, yeah. Yeah. And we got, you know, we got put to work pretty early. So I had a bunch of buddies that were farmers and that's where we'd, you know, hang out, so I'd work through the summers and kind of any chance we got out there. So, man, that is too cool. So, you've had a solid run in the oil field. I think looking back, dating back all the way to 2000, yeah, when you broke out with Baker Hughes on the wireline side, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, 2000, I just uh, 18, just, you know, barely graduated high school. And I knew, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, just, you know, kind of lost child. And, but, I, you know, a decent head on my shoulders and I could work. So, my uncle, you know, he's seen that and said, hey, I think it was like a Thursday. It's like, I got you a job with Baker Hughes in GP, a Grand Prairie for anybody that's out there. Yeah. And then, yeah, your grandfather's got his old S10. He's going to give you that and you need to be up here Monday. And The old rig rocket. Oh, yeah. 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 Iron iron bumpers. He (laughs) he welded on iron bumpers on the front and back. But yeah, no no AC, no radio. Just, you know, windows down, cruising up to GP from Lloyd Minster. Oh, man. But yeah, I got up there and he just said, make sure you you pass a drug test and passed. And I just always remembered him, you know, just say, hey, I know you don't want to this ain't kind of your cup of tea or where you want to be in life, but, you know, just work hard and, and soak it up. Cause you just never know like this, this is, there's a lot here to learn. Right. And it's always stuck with me. So, and it's like always mentorship, right. Mm. You know, finding good people that, that you respect and, you know, that are willing to kind of go the extra mile with you if you had a good attitude. So yep. just stuck with that. And then that kind of, you know, altered my career to be honest, but yeah. I was, 22, I was getting transferred down here on a project with Expro okay. on escape completions. So it was an unconventional, you know, completion process kind of when Packers Plus kind of got kicked off. Yeah. Before that, they had, yeah, the escape completions. So that was out of Oklahoma City. And yeah, it was kind of come down here just for experience. And, you know, the people that I was working with, they were just doing stuff so differently yeah and i was like man we're going to alaska you know every other month i'm like let's let's sign me up no doubt yeah so and i'm curious growing up in high school so now you know what you're doing now is is very event oriented a lot of you know parties and Mm -hmm. you know just like a lot of organizing and stuff like like was did you host parties growing up back in the day like because a lot of times you hear that it's like back in the day kids threw 
badass house parties and then here they are that's their career but was that something that interested you or i guess maybe in, in you know always loved a good event a good party and then very yeah. you know very social the only one i could really think of is you know we my buddy they lived on a farm and we, we had this place where we'd go camp we called it the v it was just like out in the middle of a, <laughs> of a freaking you know farm field yeah and it was just time where a creek met so we would actually, yeah, we started hosting like events there. So okay. that's the only thing I could, you know, think of that we actually put a lot of time and planning into it and built like chairs. And, <laughs> no you know, way. Oh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Okay, you know? so you had a little so, taste of that. Yeah, a little bit, of, I guess, yeah, but not really, you know, got when I got into the, the oil and gas, it was from 18 to probably 28, that 10 years, just just traveling and, and grinding, man. It was just, yeah, it was field life, just a road warrior all over North America, it seemed like. And no kidding. Yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't really much for what we're doing now. It's very, it's very odd. Right. It's very odd where we're at. Well, it is and it, and it isn't. But because I mean, again, I have a similar ish kind of path, which we don't have to get into mine. But for you having that experience in the field, was there certain, sort of experiences or a certain level of credibility that you gained while doing all of that? Because everything we've done, essentially who you know makes up who we are today, what's the biggest takeaway or what was your biggest life learning experience, you know, living that field life? If yeah, you know? it's a huge one. I mean, it's, it's shaped who I am today, right? Just, just leaning into technologies and, and kind of, I've always had ideas and I mean, it's just very, yeah, almost like an inventor in my own mind, right? So yeah. tools and stuff, it really got my creative mind going. Oh, and okay. I think to where we're at now is I can speak on a lot of it or relate to it. And even how we come across, say, with our events or any kind of our social media or, or any of the marketing stuff, has a, it comes from empathy, I think, of being in the field mm. and connecting to that field life, right? Man, All yes. the way up to, you know, like I said, boots to suits. It's, you know, just having that journey definitely wouldn't change a thing about that because it's yeah really shaped who I am it just to me comes with empathy yeah and then having really good intention with what you've learned to yeah empower and it's bigger than you know even making the money it's yeah. just we really see that we can shape the industry in a good positive way so yeah no and I think I mean you touch on a word that I, I like to use and I'm a huge believer in is, is empathy mm -hmm. and I think in the oil field that's something that has lacked over the years, at least through my observation in the field and stuff. There's not too many people that have empathy for others. And I think now you're starting to see it. And even, you know, someone like yourself, who I would say is, and I hate to use the word influencer, but you built a reputation around what you're doing. And then that sense of empathy and selflessness, I think is good. And, and I think you're creating sort of, you know, a culture within our, you know, subculture of oil and gas. Yeah. And so again, it just, I think it's really neat and I'm so happy to, to have you kind of spread your message. It's definitely changed over the years from 2000 to now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. The company man I used to deal with to now, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, now again, we're, you know, we're on a podcast, but do you have any sort of interesting stories from the field that were either pivotal moments or ones that just stuck with you that if you close your eyes, it's like you were there yesterday. Is there anything kind of? Man, there's so many, but it's just, yeah, some of those, those company men in the early day, you know, I was... Even when I got to Oklahoma, because I was 23, but I was, you know, running my own jobs and, you know, I was kind of the lead on everything. So when I'd get to a location, these guys would look at me like, you know, wolf, 
they call my boss like who why are you sending this kid out here so yeah <laughs> it was that was some weird weird stuff you know i come yeah. from when i got from canada to here i had frosted tips and you know i'm in oklahoma and they're, <laughs> they're looking at me like i'm a lunatic but what i learned really quickly was you know work ethic is a language yes. so if you didn't if you didn't you know even if you didn't like the guy or or whatever you just you didn't understand each other but if you didn't leave them and you're side by side and working that was a language that I always had, right? And it's carried through for everything I've ever done. And it's easy, easier now to just see good people, you know, even without knowing them. I can just observe mm. and be like, man, that man or woman's, you know, it's pretty solid. Yeah. And, and that's another interesting point is you, you talk about work ethic. And again, I can identify in the sense that I, you know, I grew up in Vernon, BC, grew up, you know, playing sports, partying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I worked for my parents and their you know, their woodworking shop, we had a furniture store and I was always a kid that had to get up on Saturday and Sunday, regardless if I'd stayed up all night or not to go to my dad's shop and, and work hard. Yep. And, and it was always work came first. It was work hard, then play hard. Yeah. And I always say, yeah, play hard, work harder. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> you know, right. If you show up and you're hung over, you didn't want to show it. You, yeah. You sweat that baby out. Exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, when I ended up going to the rigs again, I didn't have a mechanical background. So like Again, it was learning a new language. Mm-hmm. It was working. Like, I didn't grow up on the farm. I grew up on a wakeboard. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift. And they threw me <laughs> an eight-ton picker truck and said, hey, go drive the yeah. Taylor, the Taylor Mountain. Right. <laughs> and I got stuck <laughs> on the mountain. Like, because there, there was a traffic, a construction jam. So, we're like, you know, incline. Yeah. And I can't. I'm stalling this thing. Oh, Just kept no. stalling it to the point where a guy come up. He's like, what? Are you all right? I'm like, yes, I just can't. He's like, just let the clutch out a little slowly. Just burr, burr, burr. <laughs> yeah, and the way so, you go. Okay. Yeah, that was that was an embarrassing moment in <laughs> early part of my career. Yeah, no, and again, it's just it's one of those. And although it's like again, going back to sports, it's like my coach would always say, I don't care if you make mistakes or you don't know what you're doing, but do it 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go into something half half ass go into it yeah. 100 miles an hour. so i was running around a rig i didn't know what i was doing but i sure was getting after it and until i learned what to do on a rig yeah it's you funny know, when it all comes together one day you're like oh can't, yeah I get it I yeah see yeah what's happening here. <laughs> yeah but in 10 you're just spinning your wheels yeah. and you're just <laughs> running around yeah. with tools and you're you're trying to help people and and yeah again old first tool pusher i had is if, if you're standing watching something i don't need you so i'm not going to pay you so therefore mm-hmm. you're getting run off and so like, I don't think I stood still on a rig in my entire life because I knew that, like, if I was standing still, there's chances are that his name, I'll never forget it, Daryl St. Martin, would run me <laughs> off. And so that dude screamed more than anyone in my entire life. But, again, it just, like, he appreciated my work ethic. Although I didn't yeah. know what I was doing, I still worked hard. And then well, kind I learned of, stuff. And, it, it, you know, when we got, it got later in my career, we started hiring just military, like a lot of military. Because ah. I just seen there was a, it was, they had the same kind of parallels. Yeah. As far as, you know, mission, you know, a lot of sacrifice, gone on the road quite a bit. So it seemed like those were some of the best hires. But if you For think sure. about it going, you know, to the rigs, it's a brotherhood. It's, you know, it is, you are grinding and you had to grow up real quick. So it's, yeah. you know, that's. Yeah, it was a big thing. It was a big eye opener that first day on on a rig. I was like, "Wow, my dad did this for twenty some years." Right? It's like <laughs> respect. Yeah, no so. kidding, man. It's it's a different life. And again, I have a nothing but the utmost respects for folks who start in the field mm-hmm. and who are still in the field because without 
folks in the field making those sacrifices, holidays, kids' birthdays. I mean, countless events that yep. you can't, you know, you can never plan for. You're like, well, if I'm off, I'm off. If not, well, you know, have fun kids and wife totally. or spouse, whatever. Yeah, um, with anything we do in the future, however it goes, it's always big props to the people in the field. Yeah. I mean, it's those are the warriors, you know, on the ground. So it's, yeah. And nowadays we need it more than ever because it's been a big changeover and there's a big gap in quality people. So yeah, a lot of it too is just appealing to them in a different way so that they're more open to, Hey, you know, you guys hiring. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big, a big gap. We're gonna have to fill here in the next 10 years. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So we've got about 15 minutes left. I want to make sure we talk about Mm -hmm. social octane because there's a lot of good stuff there. So real quick. So what is social octane and what are you guys doing from now till, you know, or like in the near future here, some events, talk a little bit about yeah. that. So social octane, I mean, it's, you know, obviously social connecting, you know, big social platform on LinkedIn, but it's events driven, you know, unique events that we've kind of taken maybe a classic event and then put our own kind of twist to it. You know, we did the oilfield golf games, which was unbelievable, you know, hit. Okay. And everybody said just a blast of that. So we'll have We'll roll some of those out next year. We did the three flags cookoff there in Midland, which was, you know, Canada versus America and, and Mexico. So just throughout, you know, my field career, I just, those three cultures that they had such unique aspects to them and, and funny things that go along with, you know, Canadian food or American. And yeah, know, I mean, it's just every area has its own kind of culture. seems like even from Midland to Houston to, you know, Oklahoma city to Denver. Right. So yeah, we always try to do our events kind of based and adapt to that culture and that kind of style of that area and and appreciate and respect kind of what, you know, we're not going to go there and try to jam maybe this kind of style into Midland Mm -hmm. when it's just, you know, they are, it's, it's a unique, it's a wild west out there. So yeah, you know, that's kind of how we adapt, but yeah, it's events and and marketing distribution, you know, now kind of partnerships and, and getting the word out there with what we're doing is the plan and really trying to, automate it and make it easier for people to do events or you know host their own events kind of okay. with what we've learned in our playbook so we'll be kind of rolling that platform out next year 2022 and okay. so just makes it a little bit easier for us to step up as an industry step up the level of how we're we're marketing and, and getting our voice out there so yeah so if say companies are out there who maybe don't have the marketing team or there's the people to host events like can folks reach out to you say hey you know, can we hire you to host an event for us? Like, do you guys do that too? Or? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to stick with, you know, say the associations, you know, SP has kind of reached out to us in Canada to maybe oh, okay. put some together. And so just lean into that. But, you know, we're open to anything, but we're, you know, pretty small staff, a team. So it's not yeah. like we're not a full bore. I got you. You know what I mean? It's third yeah, party yeah. events company, but we are open to the conversation, our concepts. And sure. One thing we'd like to do is as we're building this and we're connecting and collaborating with people is just kind of a partnership inside there where, hey, use this guy. You know, these guys are all vetted, you know, so you don't have to waste a bunch of time looking for this or venues or, you know, entertainment. So everything that we're coming across and we'd have a playbook kind of ready to go for you. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And so what would you say right now is the biggest challenge for social octane and maybe not be a bad thing, but What's one thing that's kind of limiting you for growing and scaling and doing it, everything that you're trying to do? Because you've always got a trillion ideas. Yeah. The, the thing is, the ideas are, it's almost painful. Like it's just, we have, <laughs> it is, it's like so many ideas in my head that I want to do, but it just comes down to, you know, we've bootlegged this from the beginning. So now it's, it's funding. So just stepping up. So we're 
going through that right now, kind of coming up with the plan and the proposal and then oh, we'll, nice. we'll yeah, look into a money raise. So it's okay. just how do you approach that, right? Do we, like, I have an idea of just, it's almost like, you know, everybody can kind of chip in, right? You can fund together, right? So everybody yeah. feels like they have a piece of it to grow it. But just, yeah, those are lessons that we're still learning. So we've never raised money. We've never, you know, I've never been in that world. A, yeah. You know, a guy from the field that's, that's <laughs> that got a lot of ideas. So it's just I get it. always kind of stumbling through that and meeting the right people that can kind of guide us. And yeah, so we don't make, you know, the less mistakes as we can. So. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important too to share that message mm-hmm. to people because people who in- enjoy or who can appreciate what you're doing for the industry, if you say, hey, look, like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm, you know, eventually would like to raise money. You, you may be surprised people reach out and say, hey, look, like, I love what you're doing. Like, I can connect you and I can kind of help mentor exactly. you in that, you know, that journey. And so I think it's cool, man. Like, I would just. Yeah, it's like coming from the, you know, the beginning. It just, it seems so, all this just seems like so unattainable. Sure. And then it starts happening. You meet the right people and it's just getting yeah. in there, you know, getting on a podcast or, you know, just good intentions. I feel draw in other people that have the same one and they want to, they want ultimately help you out. So absolutely. Um, man. Yeah. No, that's uh, good. Cause people love helping people who mm-hmm. they believe in and yeah. who they trust and who, you know, come from a good place. Yeah. I always said I'd be the best, you know, rich person. Cause just, you know, it's a more of a philanthropist kind of mindset. So it's like, but I know money makes the world go around, but sure. within good intention, you can actually make some good changes. Big, big time. Yeah, big changes. So. Absolutely. No, Mara, I love that. Talk a little bit about the Orphan Well Project. And then, the you know, we've got the big Christmas yeah. charity ball coming up too. So. Yeah, so we started the Orphan Well Project 2019 after, you know, was Denver. There was an incident in Firestone, Colorado, where a couple houses, there was a flow line that leaked and it, mm-hmm. and it blew up and a couple people lost their lives. From there, it was to me, I was like, man, if we're not proactive, we're not just, you know, you know, done just passing the buck on like, hey, we need to be proactive because whatever happens here in Firestone is going to affect everywhere if it happens in Houston. And there's a lot of infrastructure that to me that needs to be updated and Mm. fixed. So instead of passing the buck is how can we empower everybody to come together to pitch in and fix this before it becomes, you know, incident like that. So that's where the orphan well started. And it was the idea of using kind of what we're doing with events. And then, you know, we had a clothing line and then the treating a well, like an event. So you would sponsor that video of that kind of mini docu-series. So if you took an orphan well, you did the research on them, what that well did for its community from its birth, you know, when it spotted. So through animation is, showcase what it's delivered you know for roads for communities for you know it's in the fabric of that community and they don't know it so how do we connect and bring that well kind of like it's it's a life it's you know it's it's alive yeah and then the process of putting it to death you know and just a celebration through that and and education so wow so that's the whole goal is that you pick one film at high level and really try connect emotionally to the public Mm. And then we go find another one and we do that. And maybe it's, you know, you got to decommission pipeline or something or fix a facility yeah. and just showcase what it's done and what it's provided for your community. No so, kidding. Wow. So that's the mission. We have three kind of picked out in Colorado. The, okay. the one I really want to do is more in community area in Adams County, kind of that Stapleton area. So yeah. that'd be the, that's the front runner. And okay. so just working with the state now to get 
they're already planning it, then we obviously can't do it. Let's pick a different one. But sure. that's kind of the first project. And that's, you know, the Oil and Gatsby charity ball yeah. here in Houston. will help fund that, kick that off. Sweet. And then, so we built, yeah, started our first commu- uh, committee, put it together in Colorado. The teams together, the budget's kind of set in place. And yeah, now the events will kind of be driven. I think we got three key events next year just driving money towards these wells and hopefully we can get to the point where maybe next fall we're doing our first one in texas yeah and then and then just see where that goes you know yeah you got an idea and push through one and see what happens yeah yeah no and i'm sure people listening are like man this is super cool so i'm curious how do people get involved or like like what do you need i guess is what i'm trying to say like do you need support or assistance obviously funding yeah how can people get it's all obviously money again right so that's where these kind of using our creativity with these events specifically this first one the oil and gatsby is yeah just get involved you know become a sponsor like aes and we have another nonprofit called the oilfield next gen so they'll they'll be doing the guns and oil raffle there so he's got Sweet. a bunch of guns there that they do in their system yeah but yeah we got a whiskey room we got a champagne room cigar room yeah that live fr runway show (laughs) it's yeah it's gonna be by far our most yeah we're taking a lot on this one but it's coming together and it's like you know it's always an idea and it's scary like oh buddy you're like man this is a lot of money you gotta lay down you know to get it kind of going and you just never know but it's the support of people that like man that i like that so yeah yourself and and (laughs) i just think it's going to be a great great time it will and it's for such a great cause and i think by you sharing the the story again i would you know shout from the the mountaintops of linkedin and every other social media platform what you're doing man because it's pretty huge and And it's something that no one's doing and that was kind of the just to get on these and get the voice out there on it and and speak on what what this is for because i think people just see from the outside hey yeah these guys are just throwing events like what's what's going on but there is there is a big big mission behind this and always it's through us it's through our fabric of what we want to do yeah and now we're actually getting to the point you know these things are happening and really like God bless Texas for, you know, just, <laughs> right. you know, unreal. Cause we probably, sure. would, we probably wouldn't have made it through if we didn't readjust and pivot and really take a deep dive on where we're at. And is this, is this going to work here? Yeah. And I don't think it would have. So no doubt. No, I, again, I'm super grateful for being in Texas too, because mm-hmm. for us, other than staying in our houses for, you know, however, like a year it was straight or whatever. Life hasn't been too drastically different. But then we, I speak to some, you know, buddies back home in Canada oh, and, man. and other parts of the U.S. And it's like people have literally uprooted their families from different states to come to Texas because they feel like without that, like there would have been some serious you know, detriments to their, whether it was their relationships, their health, their business. Again, so it's like, I don't think a lot of people well, understand and, that. And we traveled like early. So in the beginning, I was terrified. You know, I was just like, For sure. you know, everybody was. But then as we, you know, travel, you know, you're just observing what's going on. I'm like, we're in South Dakota and, and nobody was wearing masks, but it was everybody was responsible. I'm like, man, there is, is something's going on here. That's, that's weird. So it was just common sense and, and you know don't go lick people's faces and you'll be fine right no i like licking handrails so yeah I've, I've had to stop that for a while but that's hey okay. man it's to get healthier yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so one of the last questions i have what's the future look like for a social octane like what big vision do you have one yeah big vision is kind of just bringing all this in and, and automating it yeah. and having these just big collaboration partnerships that we all can kind of bring our expertise together and collaborate to really change this, not change the industry, but just really showcase how 
great it is, you yeah. know, and then it is changing. There's a lot of exciting things happening with technology and, and people really, you know, stepping up and, you know, yeah. podcasting and getting it out there. So it's an exciting time to be in, you know, 20, yeah. 21 years in here. And, and I finally feel like, Hey, now we have an opportunity to, to really hammer down and expose how great it is. Yes. And, and so that's, what's coming and And we just want to be a part of it in a, any way. So the events are obviously one that we're, we're pretty good at. So just keep leaning into that. We have, I think, 12 events planned next year. So we'll roll those out cool. uh, here in the next couple of months. And it's, yeah, super exciting with, you know, just the groundwork we've laid this year and just kind of lean into that. So Perfect. Well, I know for myself and OGGN and, and a lot of contacts, I have big supporters of Social Octane. So we'll keep helping the train run on the tracks. Yeah. And if anyone else out there who who's not aware of Social Octane or who's never had a chance to meet Mark, I encourage you to add him to LinkedIn, follow Social Octane. And if you can, if you're in the position to either sponsor or attend or even just share posts that you see, that all helps, right? Yeah, so, totally. And with that said, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some OGGN upcoming events. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show that just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. And then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years. So make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGGN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. Awesome. Thanks. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like we could have kept going for another hour, but Let's unfortunately, uh, yeah, <laughs> we can't. But round two, definitely this time next year, or even in six months, we'll kind of see yeah. how things have gone. And yeah, maybe after the holidays, we can regroup and, and see how things are going. Yeah, and, no, definitely. It's been good. Yeah. Awesome. And with that said, everyone, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Nice. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.